welcome everybody. This is BMP Weekly, episode 187. We're closing fast to 200. Uh, it is 14th of November, 2022. Or what was it? 5, 675th of March, 2020. Just yes. kidding. <laughs> um, in the BMP Weekly, we always talk about the latest on Microsoft 365, and we have a visitors. Uh, we talk about their careers and development, or depending on what they do, uh, what, what's the background. My name is Sasa Yuvonen. Uh, I'm a product manager in Microsoft 365 ecosystem areas, and with me as a co-host is... Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Mastikas, and I'm cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Ah, apple action. Now, um, <laughs> one man, one desire. <laughs> so today we have a Luis Manes. Um, he he was the chief architect. I think was his yes. title on the interview. We already recorded that. So Luis Manes from uh, Clear People joining us to talk about his day to day work and his role in the community and all of contributions. And he's actually working remotely for a US based company, uh, not UK based company, UK US different thing. You know, somewhere in the northern hemisphere, close enough. Uh, UK based company <laughs> from Spain. <laughs> If you look from South Pole, then it's all in the North and, you know, somewhere in the North. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so let's actually jump on that interview and we'll get back on the articles right after that. So welcome, Luis Manas, to the PMP Weekly, episode 187. Um, and good to have you on the show. Now, before we actually go any, anywhere else, the, you we wanted to double check the pronunciation of your last name because we actually, you said that you've been working for a UK company for eight years and the people have been saying that you're Luis Manes, which is the logical way for UK. But how is it actually done in Spain? In Spain, it's actually said Manez. Manez, okay. So I, no worries. <laughs> that's a bit of a difficult thing, for, for, for especially for yeah. Finglish uh, to say. So it's maybe <laughs> understandable. But Louis, let's start with a quick intro. Who are you and what do you do for a living? Okay. Um, well, my name is Luis Mañez. Uh, I'm from, I'm based in, in Spain. Um, I work remotely for a UK company called Clear, uh, called Clear People. And, uh, well, my role is uh, Atlas Chief Architect. And what does it mean? Uh, well, um, my company, it's a product-led company. So we do a product and we have a product that is called Atlas. And Atlas is a solution built on top of Microsoft 365 and it's a digital workplace uh, solution. So what I do is uh, I'm the technical architect. So I'm responsible for the overall architecture of, of the product and ensure that all the pieces glue together and, and work as expected. I also do some um, technical mentoring and and this kind of things. And also I'm kind of responsible of the uh, research area here in, in the company. And that's one of the reasons why I also contribute to all these uh, PMP things, because sometimes I research something and that finally goes to the uh, PMP as a, as a contributor. So that's mainly me in, <laughs> in a nutshell. So <laughs> any other, if, if I can go into the pal detailing wherever you want. And you're also an office developer MVP, right? So yeah. you got the MVP status a few years back because of the contributions on the community. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've been an MVP from 2018, I think. Yeah. Six that's, years. Yeah, that's four years. Or yeah. Four, no, no. five, whatever. Five Six five. years in a row. So it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> what year is it? Isn't it 2020, March? What? It's, uh, it's March 389 <laughs> of uh, 2020. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, uh, let's start a bit about uh, that work. As you said that you work remotely for UK-based company. How is that actually in practice? So are you working from home and you've been doing that and that for years? Is that is it a difficult thing to do or it, how does that work in practice? Well, I, I always say it depends on each person. I mean, for me, for instance, I'm a very introvert person. So it's really, really easy working working from home. 
so I don't have any any issue with not meeting face to face every day or taking a coffee on on all these kind of things. It's nice when you do it. I, I agree, but I don't have any any. So I work from home. I have a specific room just for working. This is yeah. I think important because you need to divide <laughs> the, the home and your personal life with um, with your work. Um, but I'm really, really happy working working from home. I was um, living in the in the UK in 2013, and then go back to Spain. And since there, uh, 2014, I've been working from from home. So it's about eight okay. years, and it's working really, really fine. Also because of the technology. Uh, six years ago, ago it was a bit more complicated, but nowadays is is actually amazing. What what you can do just with a yeah. with a connection. So yeah. would it be a fair thing to ask? Do you like more being in Spain or in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not fair to ask. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, that that was the reason. I mean, I I moved in 2013 because here this the Spanish economy was struggling at that moment, so I decided to to move to to UK and do better projects, bigger projects, also improve um, my English. Uh, I, I didn't accomplish that one, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying. So um, yeah, I moved to the UK. I was living in there for a year and after a year, I was really, really happy. And actually I, I work in, in UK first for a company called Content and Code. That's the company where Chris O'Brien working yep. there. So it was really awesome to to work with um, with Chris and, and learn from him and and so on. But after a year, I said, okay, it's it's enough for me. I mean, <laughs> I want to go back to to Spain. I I miss a lot the family and sunny weather and and so on. And, and actually, uh, the company was okay with me moving and working uh, remotely, and so I uh, I did it, and it's it's actually amazing. After one year working uh, remotely, I moved to Clear People also because with content and code was a bit hard here in Spain because they don't have a, a company here in Spain. So for legal reasons and so on, it was a bit a bit hard, and. And then I moved to Clear People, and I'm also really, really happy of being able to work here in Spain with my family from home and doing great projects for for the global market, actually, because we work globally. Yeah. So the one thing, the one thing I'm interested in, right? Because you mentioned you work for a company that has a product. How do you experience yourself the difference between working on projects and working on a product? Well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's really different because in in the product you have your roadmap and you're attached to it and you have maybe more time to to think about how the thing should be done and and in the customer it's a, a bit more um, fast-paced environment if if you want sometimes sometimes in product as well um, also with uh, working with customers what you have is that you are changing projects um, quickly. So it's, mm, I, I think you have the experience to do more things maybe because you are doing something and then another thing that is not related at all. And in the product is more uh, everything related with the with the product and the technology and these kind of things. But um, actually I, I, I'm more happy, I happy a worker for a, for a product company that for a, for a consultant company. Yeah, there's there's a classic advantages in both sides because it's, you might, depending on a persona and depending on, on what you like, uh, some people actually prefer the projects because then you come, you do your stuff, then you leave it and you don't need to worry about it because when you're building a product, well, you need to worry about things as well, but then you have the full control. It's, it's an interesting balance between products and the projects and they, they they have advantages and disadvantages in both. So. Yeah. Also, with the customer, you are more um, public facing <laughs> with, sure. the, with the customer sure. itself. And, and with the product, you are just working with your team, product owner, your, your dev team. And it's 
is different in, in that sign. It depends on the person, but I think, in, in my opinion, I feel uh, less pressure working with just my team in my company than working with, with the customer. So yeah. it depends. Yeah. But yeah. And I say, at least in my past, because I've worked in Let's see. I work with projects, then products, then project, then products. <laughs> so it's kind of a cycle of things to finding the right balance of what you're doing. So, and of course, I guess I'm now working in a product. I guess that's the way of putting that. So, yes, because I'm no longer a consultant, recovering one. Um, now, um, <laughs> can, can we talk a bit about the Atlas? Uh, just to understand and offering, it's a, it's a digital dashboard or workspace. What does that mean? What what does it actually mean for customers? Um, well, uh, I, I'm very bad saying things to be honest. Uh, but well, what we have it's a, it's a digital workplace uh, solution. So we help everyone to work together. Uh, we are specialized in, in knowledge, communication, and and these things. So we offer a, a platform um, where everyone in the company can can work together, find the right information, um, and also uh, we do a special detail in UX. Uh, so we try to offer the best the best UX uh, possible, and and that's what we have. I mean, um, I don't want to say it that way, but it's 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 kind of a, an intranet in a box solution. So there's a bunch of uh, custom web parts, SPFX offering custom functionality. Everything is very um, people-centric in the way that you can select your preferences, your different offices that you are interested on, the departments, and so on. So all the information is, is using search, so everything is it's tailored for you. And, and that's really important. And also, it's very easy to contribute because uh, you can create content with just a few clicks and everything depends on the location of the content. Everything is even kind of auto tag with some specific things. It's very based on taxonomy as well. And, and yeah. that's actually what allows us to uh, tailor the content for you because everything is, is tagged somehow. And, and also very important is that uh, the platform is it's it's um, using a lot the um, uh, community uh, work as well. So uh, we offer a provisioning uh, tool as well that is using behind the scenes the, the provisioning framework from the BNP. Uh, some of our most of our SPFX web parts are using the community controls. So that's the the circle. And actually, we had a. If, if you are interested, we have a. We had a call with Patrick and Bert from yep. Patrick Rogers and, and Bert Jensen, because um, it was some kind of case study about real products built using community uh, contributions. So, yep. um, yeah, it's really interesting. There are so many things I want to ask. Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what does it mean for you as a vendor who has a product to be able to use work from the um, community and open source in product? And how does that change or influence the way you can build the product and, and do things? Well, my point here is that it's, it's after all, it's a win-to-win situation. So... Um, you are using work for the community, but you are also contributing to the, to the community because every time I find an issue with the provisioning, we fix it. Every time I uh, had a, an, something, an improvement, uh, we release it to the community as well. So it's a win to win. I'm not very worried about this is community work in, in, in a sense that it's going to fail because if you build it, it's going to fail as well and you're going to have issues and that's not a that's not a problem for for us so um, this is my point on on here so um and how about how how does it allow you to in a way raise the bar right because in other words you get to use something that's already done meaning you can uh spend more time on adding value to customers and uh solve issues for them as opposed to really you know take a step back and build your own provisioning engine and deploy, like do things that are not related to the problem you solve, but kind of you need because of the way things work, 
right? So how does that allow you to take this additional leap with, well, building more things and offering the customers a richer solution because you have this layer upon which you can build? Yeah, but uh, what's what's the question exactly? Well, because... So how does that allow you? So is that... so? What are the things that it enables you to do because you can build on top of the or the baseline as opposed to have to build everything by yourself? Or let's let's actually rephrase the question in a way that now open source and community is building provisioning and this uh, property controls and React controls. And now wouldn't that then mean that you're not building them and you cannot invoice the customer at that work? So is it actually beneficial for you to use those tools or not yeah absolutely that's 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 the point that i was saying uh, before building anything let's see if there's something in the community um yeah. and, and and obviously we evaluate the solution and we test it and we do all the quality assurance that that, that we need but after that if it works for us it's, it's work that we don't need to do because it's already yeah. done so let's focus on any other feature, any other problem that we want to solve, but actually we have a, a very solid base and, and there are hundreds of developers contributing, so it, it's silly if you don't take it, in, in my point, obviously. So, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, a really good example is is for sure the the provisioning. Uh, so so because whenever the provisioning thing was initially created, there was quite a few different provisioning solutions in the community. Yeah. But then uh, I would say that it was actually a good thing. Provisioning should be a baseline service. It should be it's, the provisioning itself does not provide value. What you provision provides exactly. value. So um, having the baseline provisioning technology is like well that's. I can't sell that, but I can sell whatever I build on top of it. So, yeah, and that's the differentiator between customers. Um, and so, but it's been highly successful for sure. So, which is really really cool. Now, while that you are about to ask a question, yes, so, I want to ask another thing. So, I want to uh, change gears a little bit. If you look back at Ultra sixty five and people's first, like we've came a long way from there. Like um, SharePoint, Microsoft 365 evolved a lot, like with the uh, modern UI and Viva and Teams and all of that. How do you see digital workplaces evolve over the last six, 10 years? And how does that translate that to the product you build and problems you, you solve in, in there? Wow. <laughs> Big question. What a question. What a question. Well, I, I think it, it, it has evolved a lot. I mean, uh, at the beginning, we just had a, a platform where you can just drop your documents, and that was all. And now there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Actually, the UX, for, for instance, in the beginning was terrible. And, and now the, the UX in, in Microsoft products is much, much better. And it, it has evolved a lot. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to, um, to answer that, that question. It's been like uh, 15 years of progressing. And, and yeah, also currently with all these artificial intelligence thing and, and Microsoft syntax and the information that is giving you syntax is it's amazing. It's it's able to understand your documents and and actually bringing you the information that you want to see and it's it's really really impressive. So uh, it, it has evolved a lot. It's really it's really hard to focus on on something. Now Related on that question, these are a tr kind of a thrilling question, so I do apologize on that, but it's actually kind of interesting to also hear your opinion. So at the same time, of course, the baseline for platform is evolving. So Microsoft 365 has new features and capabilities, and Microsoft is investing. Microsoft Syntax is a great example. Is there still room for partners? Is that a still a thing um, from your perspective? That's a question. I mean, I think there's going to be always room for partners because it's impossible to cover absolutely everything. But to be honest, uh, from, from years ago, I'm somehow having the feeling that it's really hard to find that um, niche or that hole 
and 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 cover it because Microsoft is going super fast with features and currently you can build something good and after six months it's gonna be out of the box in Microsoft product so it's it's, it's not being it's not being easy and obviously you need first to be the first one in in place and being very good finding the the thing to cover because otherwise it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard yeah. so in, in in atlas what we do is we leverage the entire microsoft 365 platform but with with in our opinion a bit more better ux and and solving a specific a small things that are gonna save you maybe five minutes a day but that's gonna save you five minutes a day, and for all the com all the workers in the company and all the days in a year, that's gonna be a lot. So um, yes. this is what we're trying to do. But it's it's true that it's not easy. Uh, that uh, ten years ago was much more easier for partners. I remember Nintex. Nintex have a work a workflow solution, and for years are gonna be uh, dominating the the workflow the workflow theme. But now it's not that easy for for them because microsoft yeah. already covers somehow and with all these power apps and these local solutions so yeah yeah it's it's being harder to be, to be a partner nowadays i think but, yeah. yeah it's a it's a of course it's a it's it's an interesting challenge for sure for a lot of partners and and, and also for us in inside of microsoft trying to figure out how do we position things um but of course from a partner perspective the key is also focus on how about I, you said specific niche, but for industry-specific solutions and all of that, which Microsoft typically does not do. So we do generic stuff, and then it's all about how do you package those to be an offering. Exactly. Um, and then the community stuff, of course, helps, which is good. Now, you've been working on, on SharePoint Framework for a while, and, and the recent sample, uh, which you actually shared last week, was about Kyoda in SharePoint Framework, which is interesting. Can, can you kind of elaborate? What is Kyoda? What does that mean? That's a city in Japan, or...? <laughs> no, not really. And, and there's a funny story. When I was preparing the, the presentation for, for that session, I, I searched Kyoda on Google. And, and since there's a small village in Nigeria or something in Africa that is called Kyoto, and actually I was in touch with a couple of uh, person of the Kyoto team, and I and I actually asked them about if if Kyoto was related with with that region because because I think there's some uh, people from the SDK from the from the SDK yep. team that has that are working in in Africa, and, and I was trying to that. But uh, I asked um, Bibi, uh, one of the girls in the in the Kyoto team, and and he said, no, that's that's a that's a Swahili word that means nest, I think. And 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 the author um, seems it it was Darrell Miller from from the the graph from the graph team. So that's that's why Kyoto. Uh, Kyoto it's a it's a command line tool that allow us to create um, a client, an SDK, call it wherever, to consume any API that is described using Open API. So you have your custom API, you have Graph API, any other API in any technology that is described using Open API, and with just a command line, you can generate code in different languages. CSR, TypeScript, Java, PHP, there's a bunch of of languages supported at this point, and and I think they are working in in adding even even more languages, and it generates code to consume that API. So for us, it's really awesome because as part of Atlas, we have an API, and some of the things that we offer it's 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 a .NET API, and then we also had the need of generate an SDK for our customers. Because uh, we already have some customers that are saying, okay, we can, we want to consume your API for for our custom solutions, integration, and so on. And we say, okay, and and at the first, um, we just send some samples about you can consume our API with this code in in C sharp or TypeScript or whatever, and that was okay. But obviously, if you have an SDK and in different languages, in .NET, TypeScript, that SDK works in a similar way. So you that 
client.resource.getAsync and you are getting the, the, the content. Uh, everything is much easier to, le to, to learn about it. And this is the, the problem that Microsoft is actually solving with Kyoto for themselves in the Graph API. Because yeah. you can imagine Graph, it's a huge API and you need to maintain SDKs in .NET, in TypeScript, in PowerShell, blah, blah, blah. So that tool is, is really helpful, and I know they are using already Kyoto at least for the beta SDKs. So it's it's something that is working very well, that is fixing Microsoft problem with Graph API. So if it's working with my, for Microsoft and Graph API, it's going to work for your API for sure. So it's yeah. it's really impressed, and, and it's working very, very well. And we are, um, at this point, I'm just, playing with it, but at some point it's going to be a part of our dev tool for generate SDKs for our own APIs in, in our product. So that's the idea, and I'm really happy with the, uh, with the tool, and, and also get got a lot of help from, from the Microsoft team as well. So yeah. super happy. That's Vincent Pire and Darrell Miller, and, and, and of course the Nigeria team as well, so it's helped yeah. always available for help, which is great. So. Now, on the on your yeah, let's let's talk about a bit about the community side. We, we actually chatted about this one as we were there were some technical issues while they could join at um, but you know <laughs> hardware issues, not software issues, never. Um, <laughs> but um, you've been also actively coordinating uh, some of the community meetups and and used to be shared on Saturdays and now they're call up yeah. days or community days or whatever. Can you talk about a bit about that work? Why, why, why are you doing that? What does it, what's the additional value? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, I'm But you said it. that you're an introvert. Why do what you set up the events to meet people? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because <laughs> you, you can find me in the events in a corner. It's <laughs> looking at sailing. So uh, I don't know why I'm doing it. But yeah, I'm, well, I'm uh, with other uh, persons trying to arrange uh, the next uh, collab days in, in Madrid. And well, uh, we are, we don't know if, uh, how it's gonna work. Because um, nowadays people are not responding as well as we think in, in the past they, they did. Um, but yeah, trying to arrange the, the event and I don't know why, but I'm doing it. So, <laughs> 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 no, I'm, I'm just I mean, I, I'm really introvert, uh, but I but I love community as well. So I'm always yep. um, willing to help. Uh, there's a, a great team around the community here in in Spain, arranging different events, especially in Madrid and Barcelona, because are the the two main cities here in in Spain. So it's where and more people work with Microsoft technology. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to help with the events, yeah. And you had the Barcelona call-up days pretty recently as well, because I, I think I saw that in social media as well, So, which is great. But it's yeah. like those events are really awesome to get people in the same room, and then they're typically free or maybe there's a super small fee as to to cover the the venue and then helping other people to learn about technology so but like i said it's interesting to see the dynamics what pandemic situation caused and then hybrid versus in-person versus online um and how the dynamics have changed comparing five years ago because it was completely different five years ago absolutely it's, it's completely different actually we had the, the barcelona event a month ago or so and it was just about 80, 80 people when in the in the past uh, you can gather easily 150 or even 200 in the in yep. the event um, we are try we're trying to find the best uh, do you know why so is it like the Old folks or folks who in the past used to attend these events in person they moved to other jobs and there's no influx of new folks or is it basically people are unwilling to go to an event in person so do you have an idea why that's, there is that's the, of, that's uh, the problem that we don't know why and and all the different communities that are uh, arranging events and so on are we are all also asking why i mean 
what's the mm -hmm. difference? I think the pandemic obviously changed everything and, and people is still, eh, I don't want to gather with a lot of people yet. Everything right, has been right. very recent with all this yes. pandemic thing. I think that's one of the reasons, but I don't know if, if, if that's and, enough. Or and something what we chatted um, before we started recording as well, that maybe the pandemic situation also changed the dynamics with the weekend. So the meaning of a weekend is, is much more on the family and much more on the prioritization of your time away from work. Right? So Because we used to have SharePoint Saturdays and Microsoft 365 Saturdays and all of that, and they were always on Saturday. Now, as we get, for example, in, in the people who are in this call, we get a bit older, the family is more important, the pandemic reminds on the value of, of soft skills and soft and, and, and the family yeah. values. Um, it then that drives the mental mindset where you prioritize the weekends for other things rather than technology. So I think that's another reason and, then, and, and a very important one, of course. Uh, people is less willing now to spend a Saturday uh, in an event uh, learning about SharePoint or, or whatever, instead of yeah. going out with family or, or something like that because of all this post-pandemic uh, mental thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, but actually we are, I mean, we are, we are open to learn and, and, and to change things. And actually this is something as well for you guys at Microsoft. I mean, we don't know how to do it better. <laughs> And <laughs> that's that's the thing. We don't know how to do it better. We are. Um, we had a past meeting uh, two weeks ago or something about the the collab days in in Madrid, and we don't know how to do it better. And we are trying to find the formula to to make the people uh, coming back to the event, but we don't know how to do it better. Honestly, I think the, even in Microsoft, we need to get a bit more learnings on the situation. And, and because if we think about Ignite 2022, Ignite within which was a few weeks back, um, it was partly in person in Seattle, partly online, partly hybrid. And, and that feedback on the on the event was it has been mixed because it's like, well, if it's all available online, why would I be then in person yeah. unless there's some additional value? And then, then it gets complicated. Um, if you're online or hybrid, then you are being inclusive and everybody can access the things, but then it changes the dynamics versus flying 25,000 people to Orlando for an in-person conference like we did a few, few years back. So mm. it's, it's interesting to see uh, where we will be within a few years and, and what works and what doesn't work. So. And maybe the economical financial situation doesn't help either because even on having a Friday day off to go to a community event, it's like, well, but that's eight hours away from the day-to-day -day work. So, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, and even more here in, in Spain, because if you are you are based in Madrid, it's fine. But if you need to move from other uh, cities, uh, yeah. then it's, the, the event is expensive for you. Yes, 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 exactly. Even, even oh, yeah, if being free. Yeah. yeah, it's always um combination of things right because like you could always say like well yes it is expensive but on the other hand like some companies use it to recruit new employees some people learn it to learn right so there are different ways really to go about it and i think it will be interesting to crack the mystery of it like why has it changed and do we kind of need new format that is more in line with the current economy state of mind uh where people are what people need the way we want to learn uh, maybe there's age thing i don't know right so so it'll be yeah. interesting to learn what is the critical thing behind that we miss and what is the modern or the current way to address that yeah sure. and so there's another point in in my opinion that today there's a lot of documentation of ways to learn if you want I mean, yep. you, you open Microsoft Learn and you're going to have a bunch of videos from you guys, advocates, explaining how to do things and these kind of things. And there's not maybe that great difference in attending an event when a guy is going to um, tell you something that I've been learning from Walde. <laughs> so um, maybe that's another point. There's uh, Right. It, Say, saying it in a good way, maybe there's 
too much <laughs> documentation and and, right. and too much content uh, for yeah. for learning. So maybe five years ago was much more interesting being in an event with uh, 20 speakers uh, talking about something that in there's no other way to learn from. Sure. Right. Sure. Nowadays, right. there's much more ways uh, for for self-training, for learning new things. So maybe that's also a difference. I don't know. Sure. Exactly, right? Sure. And I guess that they will also play back to what we uh, di discussed is what is the role of an of an event, right? Is it only the aspect of it is only to learn? Or is it also, you know, like meet other folks, socialize, network, and do this kind of, and maybe there's like the learning part, maybe that is where we, or that we shift away from learning being the biggest part and we move more towards network or community side of it, that that is yeah. really the main track and then for those who want to learn there are a few things aside too right so we kind of flip things sure. around i agree completely agree but the thing is that all the networking stuff is being exactly the same three years ago that today and people yeah. is not attending the event in right. person Sure. Even they have all this networking thing and there's company trying to hire people and, and attract talent. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's going to be interesting how it's going to be working in the in the next year. Because uh, maybe, sure. maybe it's just something, in my opinion, maybe it's just something, uh, a time thing. Uh, next yep. year, people is going to be able to, it's going to be willing again to attend an event in, in person just because everything is working better <laughs> we have a better yeah. one <laughs> yeah. next year we're still trying to, to be, be, <laughs> be better be better right yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we're work. still trying to learn the new ways of getting or getting back to this uh old well not old way of doing things but but after pandemic new situation, way to that's... get the old way of doing things yes 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 that that's <laughs> a great slogan that is a great <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and one more uh, question from my side, and I guess uh, we can, we're starting to run out of time as well. So now, um, uh, Luis, you're also an MVP and been, like you said, you've been a while uh, an MVP. Can you do kind of, a, let's say, three tips for anybody who's like, yeah, I want to be an MVP as well. What, what would, when I grow how would up, you I get to be you. an, yeah, how would it, <laughs> people come to be you? So what, what, what would be those, any, any tips for anybody who's watching the show or listening? I'm really bad giving advices, but I think <laughs> the, the, the most important one is that um, make it because you like it. I mean, if if you don't like it, if you just want the recognitions because whatever, it's fine if you just if you want the recognition because because it's it's nice being an MVP. Also, um, I wanted to be an an MVP long time ago, just because. They gave me the opportunity to fly to Redmond and see the headquarters of Microsoft. That was my <laughs> my wish. <laughs> That's the only thing that I, that I wanted to do and, and, and see the offices and, and all these this cool things in, in the headquarters of, of Microsoft. So do it because you like it and don't be too obsessed for being an MVP because it's, it's something is going to happen if, if if you are constant. The, the other point is you need to be constant. Uh, this is not just about uh, going into a couple of events, writing a couple of posts, and boom, you, you are already an MVP. This is this is a, a long way, to be honest. So you need to be constant. So better if you really like it, because <laughs> otherwise it's going to be a pain for you and will happen yep. eventually if, if, if you do it. So that's all. That's a good, good tip. Now, let's do a quick uh, final rounds of anything interesting happening this week. Uh, uh, Luis, uh, what are you working on? Uh, well, not under, not anything under NDA, but um, anything interesting on your... Now, in, in, the, in the community side, well, uh, first, uh, there's a pull request already merged, I think, about my last sample in the in the PMP yep. web parts. Um, it's been really funny working with the DALI API. Um, to generate images, it's it's really impressed. <laughs> and a bit scared, <laughs> to be honest. Yep. Um, yeah, that was the the yeah the auto generating of the images, and then you had the Kyoto sample as well, pretty recently. Yeah. Didn't there's there's yep. a couple of them, the, the Kyoto one and the the image generator with the Dali API. 
And also this uh, Friday is going to be in, in Madrid. I'm going to be in Madrid um, talking about Kyoto again. Um, so, yeah, that's what we, what, what I have this um, for this weekend. Cool. So, well, really exciting because uh, I haven't been in Madrid uh, for a while. So, it's yeah. going to be exciting. To, it's a, it's a Netcore conference, by the way. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's not about specifically about uh, SharePoint or, or Microsoft 365. It's about network, but um, there's going to be a lot about uh, graph, API, and Azure AD yeah. authentication, all these cool things. So um, that's what I have for this weekend, funny weekend. Cool. Yeah. Now I have to actually, before we go forward, you're going to Madrid. Where are you actually based in? You're around Madrid or? Hmm. No, I'm I'm in in Valencia, in the east of Spain. Yeah. So yeah. it's about three hundred kilometers south from, from Barcelona, from Madrid, yeah. south from Barcelona, and yep. the east of of Spain in in Valencia. It, it's a very nice city, to be honest. Yeah. And also, um, in in my opinion, it's perfect for me because it's not big enough as, as Madrid, but we have everything that 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 you need in 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 Valencia. So also I, I live in a in a small town very close to Valencia City. So uh, again, same thing. If if I want theater or whatever, I just grab the car and in 20 minutes I'm I'm in Valencia. But I don't have all the big city uh, drawbacks here in this small town in yeah. Sagunto. So yeah, nice. They they nice. did used to drive Formula One there a few a few years back, so I I remember that. So anyway, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one. yeah, yeah, was yeah. And Alonso even won, so which was good. Anyway, so um, <laughs> the things you learn on the show. <laughs> yes. Well, like anything interesting on your. <laughs> Also, as we as people are are listening to this, I presented co-presented at a Microsoft uh, Graph thirty days of Graph uh, yep. on Monday. So there is that. Uh, we talked about building one one of the scenarios that we have for a Graph, which is uh, reminding people to get a break. Right. So we built this really cool app uh, that like keeps track of your your presence, your work, and if you are online or or available for too long of a time the app reminds me like hey take a break right so we talked about this uh on monday and then other than that we're working with a few folks on releasing a really early version of a new cool new cool tool that we hope will help everybody work with the microsoft graph so so stay tuned it's, it's just like a few weeks away and we're wrapping like like trying to you know like cross the last t's dot the lost i's the last i's so it's coming really soon it will be publicly available the version is really early uh but we hope that already in what we have now is going to be a huge help for everybody who works with microsoft graphs so uh stay tuned on that and other than that business as usual oh right right right. almost forgot on thursday we are celebrating the 50 uh, birthday of Slide for Microsoft 365. It's going yep. to be during a European um, morning, so we will not be able to get everybody on a call. But if you are around and you want to have a nice time, maybe with a few laughs with a few folks, join us. You will find more info in the Discord channel of CLI. Um, other than that, business as usual, we keep building new content for Microsoft 365 helping everybody build uh, cool apps, and we keep releasing my uh, CLI for Microsoft 365. And you're helping with few samples on ESPC and building SPFX solution with Productivity Hub and a lot of other stuff as well. It's not like you have a <laughs> list of things that goes forward. On my side, 1.16 uh, for SharePoint Framework goes GA actually uh, on the day that this podcast is being released. Um, oh, that's the plan, so with the score. So. Some new features, some new uh, preview features. Unfortunately, some of the features which we're planning to actually release has to go in the beta status. Uh, so because of 
before we can lock down the, all of the interfaces. So there's more changes on that, but that's going to happen on on uh, most likely on 15th of November. So which is today when this podcast and the video is out. But uh, and that means, by the way, that CLI will do have a new version, which will then support upgrading of the latest version, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's how we roll. Yes. <laughs> However, That's how we roll. So, so that so that comes with a new ast with a little asterisk. We're about so the next version that we will ship is V6, meaning yep. we're breaking stuff. We're in that time of year where we take some time to clean things up and break things, which is why we will not release it earlier. So, if you want to be able to upgrade your SharePoint framework project to version 116 for two weeks for the end of November you will need to use the beta version of CLI. But anyway, from a timing perspective, uh, it is time to close. Uh, thank you, Luis. It's a really, really cool discussion. Uh, good to catch up as well. Um, and don't uh, you were kind of worried about not learning uh, English? Your accent is really good. So you're talking really, really. That's just. <laughs> thank you very much. This for is this is yes. this is as well. So don't worry about it. The key is just to keep on talking. So. Thank but you, thank you, Luis, for joining us. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, everybody. We'll jump on the articles uh, right after this. And excellent. Thank you, Luis, uh, on the great discussion. Uh, good to catch up as well. It's been a while since we last time met. Hopefully, by the way, we didn't talk about the ESPC. Then. So I think ESPC is the next big thing when community comes together in Copenhagen in the last week of November. That's in a few weeks. That means that I need to start creating my presentations no just kidding anyway so <laughs> presentation what's that what is a presentation <laughs> yeah what is it? cool let's actually jump on the this week articles not a massive amount of content to cover uh but that's all good uh it seems to be a, a bit slower uh slower set of news uh from a microsoft side is explicitly especially english is so hard while well, they yes know, now let's start with the PMP Core, <laughs> core SDK. So 1.8 of PMP Core SDK is out, and this is a blog post from uh, Bert Janssen. Uh, talks about what's happening in the PMP Core SDK and all of the new uh, added goodies there. PMP Core SDK is a wrapper on top of SharePoint REST APIs, SharePoint CSM API, and a Graph APIs. Uh, so it basically abstracts the underlying surface, um, makes it easier to then just hit the information and then behind of the scenes the engine accesses that in a most efficient way, either using craft or CSM or REST, uh, which is actually, it's, it's a really nice wrapper and it's super widely used worldwide. Uh, so usage is growing super, super uh, widely. And there's a lot of contributors uh, from the community on that as well. So thank you everybody for being part of the group. Now, the second uh, article uh, from the BMP uh, platform community blog uh, is from Natalie Lender. Yes, and it's about working with adaptive cards as dynamic data. And that is an interesting article talking about adaptive cards and how you can use them in solutions that, that you, you build. And I guess that the point is being that you can up, you are updating the data in a card with additional actions. Is that the yeah. is yep. that the TLDR? Yes. Yes, that is the TLDR. TLDR, too long, didn't read. But you, you should definitely read it. <laughs> Monday. Monday is hard. But yeah, so and then you can be able to collect collect the data, collect the information directly uh, from the adaptive card. So and I love the fact that you can actually do this relatively easily. So from the power platform you can post the cards and then collect the information from him and then it's it's really cool setup. Yeah, and also like can, like like the whole fact that you don't need to build like fully fledged app deploying to Azure. You you, you can yeah. you, you can you can complete many business scenarios with uh, yeah. Power Automate flows and directly in Teams. And probably yeah. so I wonder because like in this article we only talk about Power Automate in te and and Teams, but I wonder if you could because adaptive cards also show up in other locations as well, like Outlook. So I wonder if you yep. could be able if you'll be able to do the same thing there too, or is it kind of different because adaptive card in there like is 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 attached to email and there's no way to post to the same card that is already in an email. So I wonder if that would work in other locations as well, or is it only applicable really to teams where you have that that connection to adaptive cards and and to your to your card yet. Yeah. And I think you can do this in uh, Outlook as well, but somebody needs to confirm that and say maybe in the blog post 
comments are somewhere that of course you should know that but that <laughs> pretty i'm like 99% sure that you can do this in in uh outlook or the experience is at least the same uh is it exactly the same setup that's a different discussion yeah, but you can actually exactly. send the cars and collect information oh yeah yeah easily. totally so. cool now Peter Venstra had a blog post related in sort and array by dates in Power Automate. So how, so basically it could again, this summary kind of a tips, uh, blog post from Peter, uh, related on how would I do a certain thing. So here we have the dates and, and how do we sort them in a certain order? So really, really cool, uh, scenario from him. Typical requirements, how to do sorting for sure. Then there was a article from Amech, uh, Ayob. Exactly. So there are 16 new independent publisher connectors in October 2022. And the idea is that as people build Power Automate flows or Power Apps, they will need to at some point connect to APIs. And if they don't own the APIs, they can still build a connector and make, make it available to everybody else to benefit from. This is exactly yep. about this, about this idea of community building connectors to help everybody, to make it easier for everybody else to connect to APIs that you might want to use within Power Automate or, or Power Apps. Power Apps, yeah. And it's actually really cool that this is up to the level that there it's integrated directly within the product. So um, the community oh, yeah. connectors are visible and exposed directly in Power Platform. It's a super, super cool. So you don't have to do any extra things uh, for doing that. And also I need to call out Troy, who's, who's by far the, the person who contributed the most. He's just adding every single time a new connector, new connector, new connector. So um, cool. so super cool, really, really cool stuff. Thank you for that. Now, uh, then we had a blog post uh, from Ram no, Prakash Durmarsi. So it's the full name. Uh, so it's just a, a bit of a confusing on that side. But there's a blog post related on generating Word document template using a Power Automate. So um, taking advantage of the classic Word document creations and templates and then uh, how would uh, how would we generate them or automate the generation of them uh, using a power automate so step by step really nice guidance on on feeding content directly uh, within the document so really really cool stuff as well then we had an announcement from the bmbjs side exactly new version version 3.9.0 with updated multi-line batch responses getting side by resource URL and graph fixes and improvements. If you use PNP.js, you should definitely have a look at this new version because it might contain some cool new things for you to use in your projects. Yep, absolutely. Now, Martin Linksco uh, had a new blog post on how to copy views in SharePoint. Uh, so this is basically, I have a document library. I have a view in this document library. How would I copy that view to another document library within my uh, deployment? And he has created a, a nice SharePoint framework, a web part and an extension to do that. So you can actually fire oh. the extension directly uh, from the document library menus and then copy that to be another oh, cool. uh, in another location. So really, really cool that stuff. And sweet. And this is a great example of taking it also potentially advantage of the tenant-wide deployment of extensions. So you can easily include this kind of menu buttons across the tenant. So you can easily, yeah. as long as you define your settings properly in a solution as, and it's deployed to the tenant app catalog, voila, you have a standardized copy view feature available in all of the document libraries without installing the solution in a site level, which is really, really cool. Then we had a uh, updated uh, message center show, episode 261. We're trying to catch up this show, but every single week there seemed to be as far as... Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. How did I do that? Anyway. Uh, so from Daryl and Daniel. Uh, and again, a nice summary of all of the new features uh, and the latest announcements uh, from the teams. Uh, sorry, not teams. Messaging Center. What is Messaging yes. Center? One more time, Valdek. Explain. It's a, it's, it's a place for Microsoft 365 tenant admins where they can see what's coming, what's arriving to their tenants so that they, they keep their org up to date. They can prep for what's coming, new features, roll it out, drive adoption, and basically be ahead of it. So not just be able yep. to react to new things appearing, but also know when things are about to come. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Super important thing to catch up if you don't know, if you want to avoid kind of surprises and, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> so as we had earlier today, and uh, they will say, we're of course dog shooting things in, in Microsoft and 
this morning the teams had to flip all of the buttons again and you're like where where did it now go <laughs> but cool the the next thing uh, is teams toolkit uh there is a new version i'll, I'll talk about this one and doesn't really matter uh which who, who talks but uh do you want to talk about? I can. So there's a new version of Teams Toolkit, uh, version 4.1.2, uh, which is the latest version uh, from last week. Uh, so the Teams Toolkit uh, is gonna get it is all the time getting more improved and more features available. Now, if you're looking in the change log, uh, there is a change log available for all of the different uh, releases um, and what they did contain what's available and all of that so pretty recently there was the 4.1 version release with a multiple additional things like fx developers now can now combine web parts in multi-tab teams with an ad feature for, uh, capabilities and improved single sign-on and then a weekly releases after that so really really cool to see the constant improvements on the team's toolkit as well definitely then we had a CLI for Microsoft 365 extension. What is this? Exactly. Exactly. So there is an extension built by Adam that simplifies working with CLI for Microsoft 365 in VS Code, right? Yeah. So it, it offers a number of things like easy access to samples, to docs, to snippets, and whatever, basically making it easier for you to use CLI for Microsoft 365 in VS Code, whether you're building scripts or using it for some other way. Basically, it brings all the info that you might need within the context of your work, your IDE. And there was a new yep. version of, of that with new new features and improvements. So if you use CLI for Microsoft 365, check out this extension because it might significantly improve the way you work with, with CLI and VS Code. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Uh, then we had a new uh, video from Aki, but this is a, a nice video on library components with service locator pattern in Viva Connection Adaptive Card Extensions Part 2. So basically having a centralized piece of code, which can be then used in a uh, multiple components uh, built with SPFX uh, and targeting Viva Connection. So nice, cool. nice, nice 29 minutes long video, but explaining nicely the different scenarios. Now. Uh, Paolo had a new video as well. Correct. This time in episode 230, he is uh, sharing with us some of his guidance around which way to extend Azure AD you would choose when, right? So there are multiple yep. options. There are extension attributes, directory extensions, open extension, schema extension. When would you use which one? Because each one has their place. So if yep. you're interested in that, if you're interested in storing additional info in AAD, check out this four minute, 30 seconds uh, v video to learn when to use which one. Yep, absolutely. And and, and for those who haven't followed, uh, so Paulo has been going through all of those different four options in the previous video. So in the weekly videos, he's been going through extension attributes, directory extensions, and all of that. Um, and some of those videos, actually, to be fair, at least for me, because I'm not a super specialist on Azure AD, is some of the video titles have been like, isn't this the same video as last week? No, no, no. We talked about directory extensions and open extensions and schema extensions. But it was like, okay, what's the difference? And this is then the video which is explaining what is the difference between all of them, when to use what. <clears throat> yep. And then the last one is from Shen Yang, uh, related on paste a screenshot into a SharePoint rich text with Power Apps. And this is actually kind of an interesting uh, scenario on, on the behavior as you are uh, pasting in. Let me go here as he is taking a screenshot out of uh, Chewy. Uh, on, on the different option, what's going to happen as you're pasting in the, the, the image directly in a text field rich text field in Power Apps. So uh, how it's going to be rendered, uh, how it's going to be referenced, what's going to be actually valued and stored within inside of the field. But that's it for this one. Um, quite slow week, actually. It's surprisingly, surprisingly slow week. Let me Which is good. Here. So, sometimes we're in fast weeks and sometimes we're in slow weeks and it's perfectly fine. Yes, yes. And Or maybe you are in Microsoft search weeks. Fast weeks. <laughs> good, good. There was a product called Search, a fast search at some point, yes. maybe. Because Once it was a time. super fast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
we already went through what's going to happen this week. I guess that's it for this one. Um, it's good to have you back, by the way, Waldek. And we did get feedback on on you missing a show, uh, which is I did. I did. So, I was down, you know. down and out. It was brutal. I don't know. I caught yeah. something that would seem initially like a cold, then more like a flu, and then I was like still like one week in. I was nowhere near being done with this. So like, yeah. I don't know. Happens. Yeah. It happens. Um, Unless we learn to folks, flu. stay safe, stay healthy. Yes, exactly. Yes. And flu season is coming. So take those shots and whatever you want to do to avoid your uh, getting sick. But I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll be back with the next DMP Weekly within a week. Right, Waldek? Definitely. <laughs> See you in a week. Cheers, See everybody. everybody. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye.